0: It's Wednesday and you are listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, the only wrestling podcast on the planet. Don't really know why you need an intro each week. I imagine maybe you've just stumbled across this. I should never assume. Either way, thank you so much for joining me for my weekly wrestling talk where I sit here and talk into this wonderful microphone in front of my face and explain to you my thoughts on the world of pro wrestling. The exciting news is that hopefully next week, if not the week after, we're going to have our first wrestler guest. It's all confirmed. I'm sure they are very excited about coming on Simon Miller's. I'm sure they're telling their friends right now. Hey guys, I'm going on Simon Miller's pro wrestling podcast. So you look forward to that. You can also look forward to a guest at the end of the show. My man uh, my man Drew who uh, who was very kind to support the uh, the support the show on Patreon, which you can do too at patreon.com forward mi- oh, No, wait, start again. Rewind. <laughs> you can at patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316 uh, you can see all the rewards to the side of the page and if you uh, opt for the the appropriate reward which i think is 20 bucks you can come and guest on Miller's pro wrestling podcast and play simon miller's q a wrestling game so make sure you hang around for the end of the show for what was actually a very interesting chat with drew and i appreciate his support and i appreciate him being a listener to the podcast obviously and if you're on iTunes right now, obviously go review, rate the show. We've got a few last week. It certainly helped. The more engagement we get, the higher up the charts we go. Make sure you're on the Facebook group. Go to Facebook right now, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Find me on Twitter at simonmiller316. And also, if you go to youtube.com forward slash c forward slash the Miller Report Rules, you can catch the new weekly Friday Wrestling Roundup show where I just let you, I just run down everything that happened. or you know, pick some stories in, in two minutes. So you can get all your wrestling news in two minutes, and what a lovely thing that would be. So make sure you do all of those things. That is the plugs, I think. I usually forget one of them, but I think that's everything. Oh, that's the other I said the one, actually. If you ever wanted a handwritten postcard, which I'm not going to lie, some pretty badass artwork that I've had made up of, of wrestling, which I, I will I will reveal on the YouTube channel showing you can do that. But again, it's all there, patreon.com for the Simon316. Let's move on from that. I mean the main thing we have to talk about this week is Payback. It's kind of difficult in retrospect because apparently a lot of people did like it and thought it was a good show. I didn't think it was a bad show. I just thought it was a non it was a non event for something that's meant to be a main event. Like I don't think much happened. Uh, there was some enjoyable stuff on it and the, a lot of the wrestling was good, but coming out of the back of it, I don't think you you can take you know most of the shaping was done on Raw. To me Raw was a much better show. Than payback. And that should never really. I mean, you want Raw to be good because that's your week to week TV program that's going to fuel things forward. But your pay per view or your main event should always be the thing that stands higher than. In my, in my eyes, anyway, maybe it's because I'm an older wrestling fan. Maybe that's not how a younger wrestling fan sees it. And obviously, that does change with the WWE network because. You're no longer trying to get people to part with sixty bucks, you're just trying to get people to part with ten bucks once a month. So maybe that does change the the way people see it or you know, the, the 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 gravitas that it has. But I thought it was very weird that Payback came across like a bad episode of Raw and Raw I thought did a great job in moving stuff forward and letting us know where we're headed next. But we'll start with payback. We'll probably throw some raw stuff in there as we go, if not get to it afterwards. Start with the main event, start with Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. To me, it was the best match on the card in the sense that it did everything that it needed to do and it lived up to expectations. I mean, no one thought they were going to go in there and have like a five-star New Japan classic. And if you did, you you, you need to reassess how you approach pro wrestling because that was never going to happen. It's Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. But it was intense, it was physical. You know, we were able to have Roman Reigns be dominant without going too far given his injuries and who he was going against and more importantly he didn't win and it was all well and good to say well Braun Strowman must be winning because they wanted to take on Brock Lesnar down the line which apparently is the case however with that said this is WWE and how many times have we gone oh that will never happen like Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens which we'll get to and you just presume that won't happen don't be so silly and then it does and you're like why did they do that? What the hell were they thinking? That could have happened here. The fact that it didn't is very smart. And the fact that Roman lost clean, or as clean as you can in that situation, is even more important. You know, he, they, they pushed his injuries as hard as they could. So if you really want to protect him in that sense, you can. You can say, look, this man assaulted him, you know, on a Raw before the event. He was off Raw for weeks. This was his first match back. Yeah, you know, he wasn't 100%. Doesn't, nothing can really hurt Roman Reigns now because not only will they push him strong regardless... But the fans don't really give a shit. <laughs> and if the fans don't give a shit, they don't really care if you're winning or losing anyway. He could win from here to next year's WrestleMania or lose to, from here to next year's WrestleMania. And I would imagine the majority of people are still going to be like, well, I don't want him to fight Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34. It's not what I want to see. So in that sense, it doesn't matter. Whereas Braun right now, he's been the focus of your show. He's been the guy that you are building up to be Brock Lesnar's first challenger. So he can't lose here. He can't lose to Roman Reigns and then dub it what they can, but it's stupid. And then go, oh, he's the number one contender now. I want to be able to believe that Braun Strowman can actually take on Brock Lesnar. And I tell you this as well. It won't happen because there's no point doing all that stuff with Goldberg and then having Brock lose his first title match. That'd be stupid and um, not, thinking, you know, not thinking this stuff out at all. However, if... Braun Strowman did win the World Championship or the Universal Championship at this stage. I wouldn't be adverse to that. I wouldn't necessarily think it was the worst idea in the world, aside from the Brock Lesnar stuff that we just mentioned. And If I had said that a year ago, I think a lot of people would have been like, Miller, you're insane. That, you, you can, are you, we can't have Braun Strowman being our, you know, our, our, our top champ. But I think they've done such a good job with him over, especially this year, since January, or really since the draft last year, that they put him in that position, so it's really nice to actually see someone getting. We'll call it an old school type push where they come across like a monster. And I find it surprising that it's. I don't, but it's. It's. You know, it's not surprising that it's a big dude. But I think that's the reason he stands out now because more or less your average WWE guy is not a big dude anymore. You know, unlike the 80s. If you go through each era, physiques kind of get smaller and smaller. So 80s, you had you know your Hogan's and, and your, your big dudes. And then in the 90s, you had your Bret Hart's and Shawn Michaels. And sort of late 90s, it was Austin and The Rock. I'm not saying they were small, but they weren't your traditional roided-up monsters. And now we've got, you know, the term would be indie guy, I guess, which is probably a bit unfair. And yeah, I just... And now, I think that's what helps Braun Strowman's case, is you don't see these type of guys anymore. So now that they've got one and they're and they're treating him right... It is easy to buy him because he looks different and variety is always the key to pro wrestling. You don't want everybody looking identical and I think it's maybe one of the reasons Rey Mysterio did so well too, but kind of in reverse and obviously he was incredibly talented in the ring, which is not going to hurt anything, over in Mexico and kids loved him. But he stood out and it's weird. It's one of those things where making yourself different is really important in a 2017 WWE world, being a big dude is different if you've been a fan for any length of time, you know how crazy that is to say. Because there was a time that WWE wouldn't have even looked at you if you were sort of, you know, if you weren't 6'2 and 220 pounds, £220, they didn't care. They don't want you to be a damn wrestler. And now you can be, I mean, who's the smallest guy in the I mean, not, I, I don't mean people like El, uh, El Calisto. Who's El Calisto? I don't mean people like Calisto. I mean people, who is in there now? Ty, not, yeah, Ty Dillinger. You may have seen him before, but not used in a prominent role like he is, he, he is being now. Which wouldn't have happened. So yeah, I thought that was good. I like the fact that we're kept off Raw to sell the match. It makes the match feel more important. I imagine we get one more, some sort of stretcher slash ambulance match. That worries me a bit because you can have Braun lose without him losing, much like he did the dumpster match. I don't think Braun should lose until he loses to Lesnar, I think. It's a shame we're building him up to lose to that, but if that's what we are doing, let's stay the course. And where do you spin reins off to once those two get in it? I'm not sure. Maybe with the Drifter. He needs a program. You know what, it kind of works, because then he can win. But um, yeah, I, I don't think you want to, just don't beat Braun before his world championship match. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But I did like it. I did enjoy it. I was in mean, Jericho, I opened the show, I think, or my think, no, yeah, I it was. I'm not, I thought it was a good match. And I enjoyed it. But given seeing what happened on SmackDown, I just why did we need to hotshot the belt? I just Jericho's on his way out Jericho is also a legend let's not forget there's few things you can do to make Jericho look weak in the position that he's currently in whereas you know Kevin Owens is being pushed as this focal point of Smackdown he's the face of America you know even with the Jinder versus Orton stuff the US title is still taking prominence and yet you decide to have Jericho win at payback and then two days later Owens just wins it back I don't see the point aside from popping a reading or moving Jericho over to SmackDown if that's your long-term plan but you could could have just come back on SmackDown I don't get it Uh, the match was good the match was fine enjoyed the match the program you know it's great been a great program from start to finish but yeah I just don't like the hurling around of belts. if there was more of a plan here that's fine and I like the fact that the end of SmackDown Owens pretty much wrote Jericho off TV kicked the crap out of him you know Gave him a second pop-up powerbomb, really kicked his ass, so you understand. That means they they you to continue when he comes back, which is fine. I don't understand the point of 48 hours of having a new US champion. Aside from, yes, it meant you could get Jericho to SmackDown, but there's so many other ways you can do that. We basically had Randy Orton on Raw, on Payback, and nobody cared. So why can't we just figure out other ways? Whether that's a big deal or not, I don't know. I mean, does the US title feel any different? Does Kevin Owens really feel any different now? Probably not. So probably it probably makes no difference. It would just be nice. if You know, new gimmick, new idea, new champion. It would just be nice t- to cement that for a while as opposed to thinking, yeah, we can just have Jericho win and then Owens can win it back on Tuesday. I mean, that's what WCW used to do. Not that this is anywhere near as near as bad as WCW. And on that note, look at this, cheap plug. All podcasts do this. They throw in adverts. I'm just throwing in my own adverts. If you do go to patreon.com forward slash Simon316 and you're a $5 plus member, you can access the exclusive Simon Miller Pro Wrestling Podcast. And the one up there at the moment is about the death of WCW. So you can enjoy that. Or not. It's up to you. I don't tell you what to enjoy. But it's what they to do. I remember one time the world title in WCW hot-shotted around, I think it was four times in four weeks. So every time you tuned in Night Nitro, you thought, I imagine the belt would ch- change hands. And eventually, you don't get excited about the belt changing hands anymore. It's like anything. It's Boy Who Cried Wolf. Eventually, you just lose I'm going to say belief. That's not fair. But eventually you just lose um, credibility, I guess, is the best way to put it. You stop believing that this thing actually means anything because you see it all the time. It's like when a it, when a wrestler comes back. The Hardy Boys, for example. The first time you see the Hardy Boys, it's amazing. And it's still amazing now, of course, because they're the Hardy Boys. But it's never going to be as amazing as that first time because it's diminishing returns. And it's the same with hot shot and the belt around. On the surge of Hardys, they took on Sheamus and Cesaro. I love this angle. I love this match. Sheamus needs to remember that pro wrestling isn't real. But aside from that, you kicked, you kicked Jeff Hardy in the face, lost a tooth, smashed Matt Hardy in the face, broke him but busted him open. It's all right, Sheamus. It's all right. Work your punches and your kicks. You'd be a lot happier that way. And so were your opponents. And I think that's what's key here. I don't know for sure, but I think that's what pro wrestling is all about. <laughs> um, but I, I love the angle. Like I thought that Sheamus and Cesaro were going to go heel, Especially given that they lost on Raw to Jeff, they lost on Raw to Matt, and then they lost here. I was like, the only way you can keep them credible and in this picture is to turn them heel. And I actually think they're better as heels. Seamus to me, is a natural heel. And while it's not such a fit for Cesaro, I think giving him the opportunity to try and portray that role works because he's with Seamus And because he needs something else. Like Cesaro, I wouldn't say he's in a rut... I just think this benefits that team going forward. And now that we can get the Hardys, classic face team versus Sheamus and Cesaro, classic heel team, I just think it reignites the feud and makes it more interesting. And I loved it on Raw when Matt and Jeff came out. Didn't say delete, you know, let the crowd do that, did the hand signal. I I just love all these teasers. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if Anthem and WWE have come to a deal. I don't know if it's turned out that Matt Hardy actually does own all the broken stuff. I just know at the moment I'm loving the slow the slow burn. As the nostalgia thing slowly, you know, like I say, loses its steam. The fact we know that's in the back pocket, oh man, it excites me. And it's going to be great. I think the broken stuff is some of the most entertaining thing in wrestling. I don't think WWE will screw it up, although that seems to be a a worry online. And I just, I can't wait to see it. I genuinely cannot wait to see it. And even, if it even if it doesn't go all the way and we just get the teases. For me at the moment, the teases are enough because I get a kick out of it each time. So we'll see where this one goes. I mean, imagine Sheamus and Cesaro win the belt eventually. Hopefully, that is the catalyst for going, you know, the broken broken way. And maybe you don't even need brother Nero. Maybe Jeff can just go on to be his normal single star and you can have Matt do that. I'm happy either way. I think they're I think they're an asset to the roster. That's the main thing. At the moment, they feel really, really, really special. And I'm just happy they're back, to be honest. And I was never, I was always, um, I liked the Hardy boys. I was always more of a Matt guy than I was a Jeff guy. But that having them back is just, I don't know what it is. I guess respect. And nostalgia and memory lane and all that kind of nonsense. Just think they're great. A huge, huge fan. Um, I also enjoy. I enjoyed Alexa Bliss versus Bailey, but I think like everybody has said, it doesn't make sense to me after that kind of reaction in her hometown, why we still go ahead with having Bailey lose. I get that. Alexa, I mean, Alexa Bliss is good. She was very good on on Payback. She was even better on Raw. She's a great Hill Champion. It's always good to have the face chasing, but to me, you could have just had the belt taken away from Bailey on Raw and let the hometown crowd in San Jose just enjoy that that's what they wanted and I get it the people backstage think oh well if we have her lose we will generate tremendous heat for Alexa Bliss and you do on that night but it didn't carry across to Raw maybe it did a little bit because they were close but it won't carry across to next week so it'll carry across to the TV audience but not to the point that TV audience is going to go to the venue and start oh I'm going to boo Alexa Bliss because she lost in her hometown I don't care as a fan that Bailey lost in her hometown in or, or sorry, that Bliss beat Bailey in her hometown. It doesn't make a difference to me, which is why it's one of those situations where it made more sense to have captured sort of magic in a bottle there and thought of it that way. Well they you know these people do want Bailey to win, so let's just, you know, let's just let her win. But they didn't. Uh you know, do do does the best Bliss Bailey feud continue here? Do they go in a different direction? I mean they kind of set it up to go whichever direction they want at the start of Raw. You know, Bliss came out and cut a pretty damn good promo on all the girls. All the girls, ladies, women. Um, You know, apart from Nia Jax, who obviously she she was scared of. But I thought that was really good. I I thought that was really, really well done. I thought Bliss came across just just excellently. So you could kind of position her with every... I mean, we're still waiting for this Sasha Banks heel turn. How we get there... I mean, maybe... I don't know how we get there now. Because if Sasha Banks does go heel, you want to see her take on Bailey. That's the match that everybody wants to see. So how we get there now, I don't know. But in terms of payback, it was fine. Just maybe a little short-sighted bit, but, but fine. Uh, Enzo, Enzo and Cass versus the club on the pre-show, just don't care. I can't believe they the feud carried on on Raw when Gallows just ragdolled Enzo for a while and beat him. To me, both teams just need something else. I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to see Enzo and Big Cass split up. I'd be happy for Big Cass to be a singles guy with Enzo and his manager at this point. Because the tag team, I'm not a big... I, I'm never, I was never into the whole, you know opening shtick with the mic I, I can see why Enzo is a good promo but he's not really a promo that I enjoy doesn't mean that I you know I don't want him to stop cutting promos but I think as a tag team I'm not getting anything out of them anymore and I didn't really get much out of them when they debuted last year on the main roster so to me I'd break them up as for Gallows and Anderson I mean I just don't know what you do with them it's, it's difficult I mean maybe the tag team division just needs a few more teams I mean this feud's just been going on too long that's the issue. It's going on for far too long with no real structure or story or narrative. It's just there. And it's just happening. You know, I can't believe anybody can care about it that much. I mean, maybe you do. Please let me know at Simon Miller 316 on Twitter. But to me, I was on the pre-show, it was just there to fill time. Uh, Neville, Neville versus Austin Aries was good, solid. Some people didn't like the finish. I mean, it was a bit stupid. You know, Neville was about to tap out as Aries had him in a submission hold. And then uh, Neville attacked the ref, essentially. But, I mean, it allowed the feud to continue. The stuff they did on Raw was good when TJ Perkins lost to Aries but then beat the crap out of him. They are also teasing tension between Neville and TJ Perkins. He's now called TJP, by the way. Needs to change entrance music. Does not work for a heel at all. But I like the way that this uh, this dynamic is working between all three. And they do have really good matches. Like, they always constantly have good matches. So... I'm actually quite a fan of all this. You know, it's everybody else in the cruiserweight division that just needs a bit more. They do come out and have fun matches for the sake of having fun matches, which I'm also okay with. But at the same time, you know, it's those three guys that are really holding up their division. If they could get a fourth in there, like a fourth star, I mean I don't know who that would I don't know who that would be. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, there are some good workers on there, but not necessarily people that are going to be pushed in that position. But I think a fourth top guy would really, really help everything there and get it. You know, I mean, the Cruiserweight division is still struggling to a certain extent because people aren't watching 205 I mean, do you watch 205 Live? Anyone listening to this right now, do you watch 205 Live? I'm going to guess the answer is you don't. Please let me know if I'm wrong. I don't know anybody who watches 205 Live, which is, <laughs> which is terrible. But if you do, you know, do you watch it just because you have the network and you think, well, I may as well? Or do you do it because you actually want to watch the product, and I don't think, I don't think, a lot of people are watching it for that reason. I know I'm, I'm taking massive pauses here to really sort of cement my point. I just don't think anyone is tuning in to watch the cruiserweights. But either way, maybe you are watching it for fun, maybe you're not. I, I personally still haven't been enticed in. Uh, which, of course, brings us to the last match we haven't talked about so far, which is the House of Horrors match. Now, I applaud WWE for trying something different. And I didn't actually think it was as bad as some people said it was. However, I did think it was bad. Now, I thought it was bad just because WWE took it too seriously. Now, this is this is pro wrestling. Sometimes it's all right to have a laugh. And sometimes it's all right to shove that tongue firmly in your cheek. But I knew it was stupid as soon as Randy Orton got out of the car and a tractor was driving backwards. Like, that's funny. It just is. That is funny in that setting. And the fact that i meant to take away from it is always so spooky. It's like, no, it's not. That's not spooky. That's ridiculous, and I think that's you know that's where it lost me. Almost that was one of the first things you saw, and that's kind of where it lost me because I, just, I wanted it to be a bit hokey and a bit silly, and it wasn't. It was like oh no, you need to you need to take this seriously, and it just got so it's got you know a bit with the fridge, Randy on getting crushed by a fridge, and then Bray Wyatt who has teleportation power some for some reason drives to the arena, and there was no continuity, and since it was dark and it was light, you know at the time it was being shown. You, know, you can say, well, those things don't matter, and you're right, they don't. But when you throw them all together, they kind of do, and I think that's the um, that that that's that's the real issue. I just didn't think, I just don't think any of this feud has worked. I don't think any part of White versus Orton has been that entertaining. I, I didn't like their match at WrestleMania. I didn't mind the burning down the house, but it, and I like all the hooky stuff. Like I loved it when Kane chokes down the Undertaker into his parents' grave. But it, it, I don't know. But I guess they did take that seriously too. Maybe it's my age. I don't know. I can't answer that question. All I know is that this, for me, just went too far in in, in the wrong direction. You know, I, I would have much rather a more, I wouldn't say serious program. It just went too far. It went too far. And Bray Wyatt's gone from like a, a hick hillbilly who, who was almost like a cult leader who believes he has these powers to a magic man who has powers. And that's always existed in wrestling. Again, look at The Undertaker. Look at Kane. I just think they were represented in a different way, and you're going to say to me, "But Miller, Kane shot lightning out of his hand and fire," and you're right, he did do that. But is Oh, I don't know. I I can only take things in the context that I watched them in. And in 2017, watching a House of Horror's match with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt and Bray Wyatt doing all this stuff was just you know, and Jinder running in, no surprise, you know, kind of you kind of saw that coming. It means Bray Wyatt wins but he wins in the most pathetic way ever. So what, technically, again, Bray Wyatt gets nothing from a major feud, which is just becoming... And the problem now, moving into Raw, is that he's been put in a uh, program with Finn Balor. You know, the main event for Raw was The Miz versus Dina, uh, versus Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor to so see who was going to become the IC number one contender. Great match, great ending to Raw, really cemented the show. How do you get out of that feud? Because Finn Balor, 10 minutes before that, had come out and said... More than that. But he'd come out and said, I want Brock Lesnar. So you don't just say that for fun. At some point, he will have his universal match against Brock Lesnar. But you can't have him going into that if he's just lost to Bray Wyatt. So you telling me that Bray Wyatt is about to lose again. Because if he is, that character is done. I think it's already on the precipice. I don't like The Entrance. I've never been a big fan of The Entrance, so that makes me a terrible person. I I think that music is... It it doesn't suit the character. You want me to think this character is like an evil bad guy and that to me is not the music he comes out to it doesn't it creates atmosphere and it's cool to see all the phones light up but you know when, I mean it's a terrible comparison when Kane used to come out that music was like oh shit son this, this is badass I don't get that with Bray Wyatt maybe it's just in hindsight and in retrospect because he never wins and so everything is just being dragged down but if he loses or comes out on the losing signs in the long run in a feud with Finn Balor I don't know what you do with him how is he going to be taken seriously? How are you going to buy? I know wrestling's not real, but how are you going to be able to buy into any feud with Bray Wyatt going forward? If he comes out, talk his fluffy language like, oh, the, the hells of one have come into two and I am born again as the lifeblood of my enemies runs through my veins and my eyes see the future. You'd be like, okay, that's great. I'm really happy you've got all that stuff, Bray Wyatt, but can you win a match? <laughs> Stop working on your poetry. Win a damn match. Prove to me you're the man. Never happens. Literally never. Name me a few that he's won. I don't think there is one. Lost to Jericho. Lost to Cena. I think he lost to Ambrose. Did he have a few with Ambrose? I think so. Lost to Wharton. Just loses all the time. And I, I think that WWE think to themselves, well, he's very Wyatt. He's, he's magic. Get away with it. No, he can't. No one is that susceptible. People are that susceptible, sorry. No one has that much protection when it comes to pro wrestling I need to see them win eventually otherwise I'm just not going to buy into it anyway that was the house of horrors match I would be intrigued to see what everybody thought so please let me know Uh, I do applaud WWE for doing something different I did find it entertaining in the fact that how often do you see stuff like that I just think overall it didn't work that's my only point I don't think it worked I mean, that was kind of, you know, everything about Raw that we can really talk about. I mean, there were some other things. Like I say, the, uh, the, the proper heel turn or the cements of the heel turn for the Sheamus and Cesaro stuff was good. It had the continuation of that awful Cass and Enzo club stuff. The cruiserweights did what the Cruiserweights do. You know, we finally got the Intercontinental. I think that was the most important thing because the Intercontinental Championship wasn't even on Payback, which was poor. But the fact now the show was kind of centered around that I think was important. Uh, wasn't a massive fan when Finn Balor said that he eats nerves. Came across as scripted and stupid. I liked, I thought Seth Rollins was good, but I thought the opening sort of minute of that promo was ridiculous. And he's like, all right, yeah, come on. You don't need, I get the worst thing when a guy goes from heel to face is doing that. Just be you. But be you with, you know, your motivations are just more just and they're more true and they're more, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but they're more good because <laughs> you're a good guy now. You don't need to come out and be like, I love you guys. I don't think... Like, Stone Cold Steve Austin never did that. And you can say, yeah, but that's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, that's a pretty good template and example to go with. Stone Cold Steve Austin was always Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just his motivations and his uh, aims and desires that made him you know, a good guy. Because we wanted to see him do these things. He never pandered to anybody. And I don't think pandering works. Aside from that, though, I thought Seth was quite good. Still not massively interested in, in Joe versus Rollins, which I can't believe... But I don't think they're booking Samoa Joe very well anymore. Like obviously he lost at the pay-per-view and I quite liked he came out here and kicked his ass. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'd love for somebody to tell me. But at the moment I'm just, it's not something i tune into the show to see and I love Samoa Joe. So I don't know. I don't know. That's something we'll have to, we'll have to see how it plays out, plays out going forward. And obviously we got announced next week we've got a tag team turmoil match. Goldust and our truth are going to be in it. I presume that's just how Sheamus and Cesaro become number one contenders again. You have know, the Hardys, Sheamus. Uh, not the Hardys, the champs. The Sheamus and Cesaro, Cass and Enzo, the club. They can take each other out. Our Truth and uh, and Goldust, and of course Heathletter and Rhino, who are kind of afterthoughts at this point. So yeah, we will we we will see what happens. But yeah, I, I did think Raw was a was a solid show overall. I enjoyed it. SmackDown feels a bit lost at the moment. It feels lacking in star power, which is strange because Nakamura's on there, but he's being used sparingly at the moment. Like I say, wasn't I found it bizarre that Owens won the belt back? Enjoyed the AJ Owens scuffle. I think that would be a great match at Backlash. AJ, I assume, is a, is, is a face now. Uh, I don't think we saw Randy Orton. I, I, some, I sometimes watched SmackDown in the background, so maybe I'm confused. I don't think Randy Orton was on the show. I mean, if the show started with Jinder Mahal holding the title that he stole and having a photo shoot, and Shane McMahon coming up to him and going, "Yo, pal, give that belt back," which led to a match with Sami Zayn all people. And he beat him. I mean, there's no surprise because you can't not have Jinder Mahal win as your number one contender. And he, and he didn't win clean. You know, the Bollywood boys or whatever they're called now the Singh brothers got involved. But I do love that their go-to jobber guy was, ah, Sami Zayn can lose to I him. Mean, what is Sami Zayn at the moment? He's not in any program. I don't think he's got anything for backlash. He's now losing to the number one contender. I mean, I don't think they see much in him aside from being a very... He's a... He's a what did Austin used to say? He's a, um, a mechanic... He's really good in the ring, but ultimately he's just—he just, he just yeah—he's just there, which I find crazy. Because there was that time where everybody loved him, like when he came out to face John Cena in the U.S. I mean, I know he's, I know he's in his hometown, but in the U.S. Open Challenge, and everybody loved him. And now, poof, other end of the scale, which is a shame. Which you know, it's—it's. It's, uh, it, but you know what? These things can always—these things can change in—in in seconds, not in seconds, but in weeks. Although I don't think they will with him. I think he's destined to be the next Dolph Ziggler who fought Sin Cara on this show, by the way, which was fine. He beat him. I haven't seen Sin Cara in ages. And of course he won because, again, he's the guy that is being prepped for Nakamura. But he's going to lose that. But actually, I don't mind that feud because if Nakamura needs a win and you want to build up his, his arrival on SmackDown, well, Backlash for his, for his in-ring debut, having a name to beat, even though you know he's going to beat him, is fine. And Ziggler is a name. People know who Dolph Ziggler is. So I actually don't have a problem with that feud. We also saw Ty Dillinger versus Aiden English. Lasted about two seconds. Then Aiden English went backstage crying and Jericho tried to p- perk him up before putting him on the list. That was bizarre. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what that was about. It, again, it's, at least he's on TV. At least he's being featured. Much like um, the Fashion Police. The Fashion Police are now gearing up for their feud with the Usos. They're, you know, they're, they're front and center right now and I do find them very entertaining. So I can't moan too much that they're that they're doing it, and obviously we have all the women's stuff at the moment. Where I don't like it when they do these women's programs where everybody's involved and everybody's involved. I mean, it's now basically Charlotte, Becky, oh my god, and Naomi, who's the champ, versus Natalia, Carmella, and uh, Tamina. Obviously, they teased on SmackDown that Becky maybe joined the bad guys. It was like well, I can do maths, and they need a third person. <laughs> so, so you better put Becky, and also Becky Lynch, not a heel. Ain't no one booing Becky Lynch. And in all that, all that's good and stuff. I just prefer, you know, one-on-one feuds. I think, no, I mean, you turn Charlotte face by this point, which I guess is worth a try. But if that's the case, I, I'd rather they also I mean, It's three-on-three. Three. You can split them off. It is okay to have more than one woman's program going on at the same time and dedicate more of the show, you know, to their feuds. You don't just have to have it in one in one fell swoop. And they kind of did that on both shows. They did that a lot, actually. Maybe that, I just, I think you, you don't have to do that, but... I know the Raw rating was very low this week. I think it's the fourth lowest like ever or something. Not ever, but it was low. I can't remember the exact record. I, I think SmackDown will be low too. I, I, do, I do think SmackDown was a bit of a mediocre show. I thought Raw was good. I just think we're in that quiet period after Mania. It's where the hardcores like us hang around. and Everybody else has had their Mania fill and They go away. And realistically, there's not really anything going on That would make a more casual fan come back. And that's why I think Brock Lesnar is being held off TV for such a long time. Because even WWE know this is the quiet period, man. This is where it always goes quiet. Why are we going to waste Brock Lesnar in a time when he's not really going to peak a rating? Because you've got to give people a few months to kind of, you know, get that wrestling itch back. So, I mean, Backlash is next month. And then it's Money in the Bank. There must be something before that. I imagine Money in the Bank is when we start gearing things up again. Then we go into Great Balls of Fire. was announced by WWE. Great Balls... See, a lot of people didn't like that name. So, like, I don't want to hear wrestlers say that. I absolutely want to hear Paul Heyman say the Beast is going to be at Great Balls of Fire. Grammatically, it's all over the place. I love it. It's stupid. It's pro wrestling. Call it Great Balls of Fire. I'm a big fan of the name. I'm a bigger fan of the logo that looked like I made it in Microsoft Paint. Go look at that logo. That is not... (laughs) That's not a high-end logo. But I am perfectly cool with... uh, with the, the yeah the show being called Great Balls of Fire. Great Balls of Fire he's so stupid. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, other news I did want to touch on before we settle down with Drew, our guest this week, in the patron, what do we call it? The patron Q&A bonanza, we'll call it. Uh, World of Sport got delayed. It was meant to be filmed in May, and a scheduling conflict has pushed that back. Now, you can take that for what you will could mean that there's problems with the show, could mean that they didn't know something was booked. I don't know, but I don't think that is ideal given that it was all good to go and now it's not going ahead. But who knows? Who knows? I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that, but it has been delayed for six weeks. Six weeks? I I actually don't think they announced the time actually. It's definitely been delayed from May though, which is really now. It's meant to be filmed in a few weeks. I think it was six weeks of TV they were filming for spin delay WWE are still going ahead with their UK tapings in Norwich which I also believe are this week or next week I think it's this week so it'll be interesting to see what they do with those and how quickly ITV kind of try and get World of Sport out I hope it still does happen competition breeds creativity it's the best thing that can happen for pro wrestling and most forms of entertainment so I hope it hasn't been cancelled I don't know anything by the way this is me just guessing so yeah That happened. Uh, Cody Rhodes apparently was going to sign with Ring of Honor, but then came out and said, I haven't signed with Ring of Honor. My gut would be that he probably would. You know, I think you can make Cody Rhodes the centerpiece of Ring of Honor for a while, you know, put the world title on him. Obviously, Adam Cole is now a free agent and probably going to the WWE, or that is the rumor. So I think Cody Rhodes is a good, is a good replacement. I think you can get him in there. I I really enjoy Cody Rhodes. And on the subject of that, obviously, you know, Drew McIntyre or Drew Galloway is now back full-time with NXT. He finished his, uh, his indie bookings for everybody else and WCPW at the weekend where he uh, he, he lost in his 30-man battle royal. And I'll be intrigued to see what he does. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be treated like he was beforehand. I think that's wonderful and I think it's a great uh, advert for going out there, believing in yourself, betting on yourself and coming back even stronger. I think when he makes it back to the main roster, he could be the guy he was always meant to be beforehand, the chosen one. If you ever met Drew Galloway, he's a very tall man. <laughs> he, He really is a very tall dude. So, you know, that will help him no end. And I think he's really good. I think he's really, really good. And he's come on leaps and bounds since he he was last in WWE. Probably because he wasn't given the opportunity to shine how he would have liked to, you know, when he was there. But, yeah, I thought, I'm really excited for him. And I I think he'll do great. And I think, really, that's everything that's happened this week in wrestling. Like I say, it's one of those strange weeks where... It should There should be more to talk about because we had a pay per view and we've got Raw and we've got SmackDown. But really, it just ticked the boxes. It just did what it had to do to get to the to, to get to next week. And that's fine. That's all right. It doesn't have to be amazing all the time. It makes us appreci- appreciate the amazing bits more. With that said, yeah, an average week for pro wrestling. So anyway, we're now going to switch to our interview with Drew, our Patreon request bonanza Q and A guy again. If you want to be interviewed for the show, you want to come on the show, I'm doing it as a QA and a format for now, but I'm happy to have feedback and suggestions. Go to patreon.com forward slash 316 find the appropriate reward. Once that's all gone through, just drop me a line through the Patreon and we'll figure out a time for you to come on. So here it is, my conversation with your man, Drew. So Drew, are you ready to answer your, your 10 questions? I guess we'll find out. We will we'll find out. Like I said, there's no wrong or right answers aside from the answers i don't agree with no that's not true uh, right so number one it's nice and simple what's your favorite match of
1: all time in the pro wrestling sphere i tried to come, I, I i looked and i tried to come up with something different i didn't want to just you know but it's difficult like like i think probably with like maybe undertaker michael's wrestlemania 25 26 you put them as one a lot of people do that a lot but, of people say <laughs> they are companion pieces I can't yeah I, I possibly 26 my preference although I think that may be unusual uh just I don't know it might have just been where I was at the time or sort of who I was with at the time but I, I just remember it being special almost it being exciting
0: no I agree and I think the it's, it's, it depends how you look at it because 25 has you can say it has more magic because no one was expecting it to be that good no, no. But then 26... 26 has
1: more story. Exactly. It has more meaning, almost. And
0: it has build, and you have the emotional ending. So it kind of... It, I think you can pick either way. It depends whether you like the surprise or whether you like the fact that, you know, that one signaled the end of Shawn Michaels' career, which is... You know, that'll be talked about for years to come.
1: We sort of knew it was coming, though. Like, it wasn't uh Well, we did. Well, it wasn't, yeah, but... it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a surprise, but no. even though I was, I was still invested... We, but you
0: forget about Mr. Casual Fan. A <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Casual Fan who I envy in many ways doesn't see any of this stuff coming and is living the dream. And I think that's fair as well. I mean, did, I mean if you can remember back this far, you know, did you ever, when you knew that Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker were going to be paired together, now obviously they had loads of good matches. I mean, my personal favourite between the two is the, the Hell in the Cell match at Bad Blood 97. But did you think it would be this good before, before the fact
1: Well, I think it depends if you're talking about before 25 or before 26. I mean, with 26, you went in with a bit of anticipation because of how good 25 was. Yeah. But before 25, I suppose not. I mean, not that you weren't looking forward to it, but you weren't realizing that it would be quite as good as it was.
0: No, I totally agree. I mean, I I genuinely didn't. I don't even think I was. I was always excited for the Undertaker match because it was WrestleMania. But I don't recall sort of sitting down for 25 and being like, oh, man, that's. You know, that, that's what I want to see. And it literally did just it stole everything away from everybody else. I mean, no one else talks about anything. from maybe potentially either of those shows. Like that really was, it became all-encompassing.
1: I mean, there was some pretty dire stuff at 26, so if you really... If yeah. You really... well, yeah, there's a lot of dire stuff on all
0: Wrestlemania, so that's the problem. <laughs> Especially the last two years, I don't want to get into it, but I was just thinking this the other day. The last two years, it's that length, but let's not... Let's let's not get derailed. Okay, (laughs) second question follows on from that nice and simple favourite wrestler of all time. It's got to be Stone cold. I like it. The thing is, I'm always intrigued to see what people say with this, because it really is a generational thing. It really does depend on your age, I think, where you go. I mean, I think I know the reasons, but we've got to talk about it. Why?
1: Uh, Just, you know, why not, really? I mean, he was what sort of drew me to wrestling in the first place, possibly. That sort of, like, start the Attitude Era, sort of just... And I was just there and it was just sort of, I think also like he didn't overstay his welcome. Like he was such a short sort of, His you know, his career didn't extend to the point where he got stale, perhaps. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I actually, it's a controversial
0: subject, but I, I think that his injuries almost helped him in the long run. Because he was like a, a flame that sort of burned really bright. He was never around long enough to go no, back. <laughs> it wasn't. He never really... I know a lot of people... I and mean, what did you think about his heel turn after WrestleMania 17?
1: Um, I can remember at the time hating it. Like, yeah. But I think looking back, it was possibly what was needed or it was good. Yeah. like, like I think at the time, I was too invested. I was like, no, you know, he was my <laughs> favourite. Like, I didn't want to go heel. You know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think the other thing as well is it, it showed how much range he had. That's yeah. why I always liked it because and that's why I think like you mentioned hindsight. I think when you look back, that's when you get a real appreciation for Steve Austin or Steve Williams, we want to call him as, the, as a human being because he proved he had another, he had another side to him. And yeah, I agree. I actually think he needed that. I don't know what else they would have done with a Stone Cold Babyface character at that time. I mean, it didn't help business wise, but... I think in terms of the the, sort of the legend that was Steve Austin, that was the best thing they could have done.
1: Especially even thinking back to the fact that he did have a short career. It's the fact that you did see him as a heel as well, that it wasn't just in the WWE, uh, WWF anyway.
0: Yeah, I tell you, what was kind of, what's the, when you think back to Steve Austin's career, what kind of the highlights that you remember? Especially because I,
1: I assume you were like in your adolescence then as well. I'm trying to think how old I was. Really, I was, yeah, I was. I was probably early teens, sort yeah. of WrestleMania 17, X Seven, sort of thing. Like, yeah. which is the best time to enjoy someone like Austin? Yeah, is, yeah. yeah. To be <laughs> honest, like he was sort of like laser targeted at that age demographic at the yeah, time. Like, so absolutely. Like,
0: so, what was what, the first thing that he did, if you can remember back? Like, obviously, a lot of people talk about the '96 promo. I'm the first to admit I wasn't, I didn't cut on to Steve Austin then. You know, it was for me really after WrestleMania 14 when I started to, like that late, really. Or maybe, maybe before, maybe the stuff with Tyson is what got me. But around that era, I mean, did you get in sooner than that or was it the sort of, you know, push I mean, for the I, win? I,
1: I don't know. I th- I, it was, it was later. I wasn't there until the Attitude Era and he sort of kicked it off. So it was sort of all that sort of, like, I, you know, I, I, I I have an odd relationship with wrestling at that point because the fact that I wasn't into it at the end of that like until the late '90s, so I sort of missed all that build before the Attitude Era. So I came in after you know this after the Screwjob and stuff. So,
0: oh man, that's must be. I'd, I'd be fascinated to see because I've been a I've been a wrestling nerd for way too long. I'd be fascinated to see how that kind of shapes your perception of everything.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult because knowing all about it, but I look back on it rather than being there at the time. Even yeah. though I was, I was around, and you know, other people, uh, you know, in school being into it. And I'm like, well, what? What is this wrestling thing? <laughs> what, what's going on?
0: <laughs> no, exactly. Because I mean, even when I remember when I with with Massive Tangent now, but who cares? When the Screwdriver happened, <laughs> you know, I was young, 97, so I was like 13, 12, 13. I didn't understand it. Because you don't, at that age, you take wrestling at face value. So I was like, well, he didn't give up, but he did give up. And why is Vince McMahon out here? And, you know, I understand it wasn't meant to be understandable, but it really confused me as a kid. And it took me sort of, you know, a good year or so to actually catch up on what had been going on. Because obviously back then I didn't have sort of random access to the internet because I'm really old and the internet wasn't that accessible. (laughs) Uh, No, yes, I think that's... um... So when Stone Cold Steve Austin left, you know, the guy that got you in, did you hang around or did you go away for a while before coming
1: back? I think I, I went away, but then I've Love done that many did. times. I've sort of drift, drifted away and drifted back and drifted away sort of thing. Yeah, like,
0: so what what made you drift back after that? So he goes away, he's done. What
1: was it that kind of kicked it all off again? I don't really remember, to be honest. I think it was just sort of situation and just going back to it, just sort of like, oh, what's what's happening now? And suddenly like, uh, who's this John Cena guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is he so over? Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> How about ever? What What's your favourite wrestling moment of all time through all the annals of history?
1: Oh, I don't know, really. I mean, you've got to think again. I'm trying to think of like, you know, show some wrestling knowledge and some, some credibility and come out with something really obscure.
0: But, nah, uh, don't do that. Go with your heart, man. Go with your gut. All mine are, are the most standard things ever. Like one of my, <laughs> my favourites that comes straight to mind is Hogan versus Rock at WrestleMania 18 just because I love the crowd. I love that crowd. That I think it's the crowd man. that makes that match. Oh, 100%. But that's why I like it so much. Every time... It's same with... Um, Money in the Back 2011. I think the match is okay. I love the build, but it's the crowd. I love big crowd reactions. That's, it's like, again, another one would be when Austin comes back and after Vince McMahon goes to a bar and pleads for him to be the old Stone Cold. Because the crowd. <laughs> I love big crowds.
1: Again, talking to big crowds, like sort of Daniel Bryan at the end of WrestleMania 30. That's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's more than a real feel good sort of one. It's like, send the crowd home happy sort of thing.
0: Yeah, but they're what I love because I think. And this is when we get into proper cheesy sort of wanky territory. <laughs> but it's true. It makes you feel something. You feel yeah. like you're a part of it. And I think all of those moments are, you know, I, mean, I have weird ones as well. Like one of my, I've said this before on the podcast. One of my favorite moments when I look back as a stupid kid was when Armin Johnson went heel and joined the nation. Now you probably don't remember that at all. But, uh, yeah, I remember I was so desperate to find out why he'd done it. I watched Superstars, and I don't think I had Main Event back then, whatever, Jacked, whatever it was called. Desperate for any kind of update, and I didn't get it. So I don't think, there's no right or wrong, man, I think. And also, they're few and far between in terms of those, those those memories you really remember that other people don't. Like Everyone remembers the big ones, but it's the smaller ones, I think, that keep people wrestling fans. I think this may tie into what you said in question one, but your favorite WrestleMania of all time. Um,
1: Like I say, I mean... It, well initially i wanted to say wrestlemania 26 again but then i went back and i looked and i'm like there's only the one you know like the only that one match that i'm really thinking of and that yeah. i'm really in love with like and then you start talking about you know um <laughs> brett mcmahon and stuff and it's just like oh man no oh god no <laughs> you sort of like push that one to the back of your mind so like that, that can't, can't be my favorite wrestlemania because no, it's yeah. that one match um I mean, you gotta say X Seven or Seventeen or something. You, really? kind that's, of... thats the only one you can think of where there's not a dud, where but there's no. But that's how everything it. was great, but this or.
0: Yeah, but that's one hundred percent it. That's why I'm glad you said it because I did this the other day. I was going through them in my head, and I think one of the reasons that people say X Seven so much is because it actually doesn't have a bad moment. Whereas if you no. go through any other WrestleMania, like, oh, there's
1: always something that brings down the rest. That brings down the uh, brings down the whole. Exactly. So I actually think
0: that WrestleMania 31 is actually a good show.
1: If you that's, actually go, to, uh, That's the one with Rollins at the end. That's right. And I actually think
0: if you go through the rest of it, apart from the Sting Triple H stuff, which I think is, you can take it or leave it. But I actually think it's a decent show. But even then, and there are better ones, but that's just the first one that comes to my head. Every time when you sit down to have this conversation about your favorite WrestleMania, you always go, well, it's got to be X7 because it's the only one that doesn't have any shit in it. <laughs> but it's, it really is true. Like, even if you go way back, like WrestleMania 3... Like, I understand how important Hogan versus Andre is, and it is a good match again because the crowd is into it. But it is still crap.
1: Like it's, it's, not... d- it's difficult going back, especially the means. I think I, I wasn't even born at the time, so it's difficult to
0: but that kind of. Is that, I, that's the fascinating thing about wrestling is how do you even take it in, especially for a guy that starts in the Attitude area where the whole thing is punch, kick, kick, punch, punch, yeah, yeah crowd, exactly. and, and now you've got like slow, plodding, you know, all focused on psychology and stuff. So I'm not surprised you said X Seven. I really, really not. I mean, it's not on the list, but what would you say the worst one is? Worst WrestleMania? I mean, oh, what's...
1: God. Um, I don't know. Some, <laughs> some of the last couple years haven't. I mean, 31 was good, but... I, I do think 32 and 33 have th- been. It's th- the time thing. The time thing is a real issue. It's difficult because it's been so recent. Like, I'm sure there's worse, but... Yeah. 32 was... 32 wasn't, wasn't bad. It was just so disappointing. It was so... It dragged. It did drag, and it didn't have any...
0: You know, I think the big moment in that one was meant to be The Rock... And I hate that segment. <laughs> I hate that segment so much. And What about your favorite non-WrestleMania pay-per-view? That can be anything; it doesn't have to be. Maybe you enjoyed a Slammiversary. I don't know. I don't want to cast shade on DNA, <laughs> but I doubt it very much. Like, what, what kind of? It doesn't even have to be your favorite. But which non-Mania pay-per-view stand out to you?
1: Again, I was looking through, and I was looking for, and I was looking, I was even looking, I was cheating and looking at lists of good ones, and I thought, oh, really, like, I mean, maybe take over Dallas. Actually, I think it's a great shout. I think it didn't occur to me at first. For some reason, I don't. You know, it didn't didn't occur to me. But again, we're talking of sort of not maybe not as good as WrestleMania 17. But again, I don't remember a dud match on that pay per view at all. I don't remember anything that I didn't. I didn't. I enjoyed the whole thing.
0: And that's Nakamura's debut as well, right?
1: Uh, Nakamura's debut, Asuka's debut, Ballad uh, Ballad Joe. I think it was the one when They they kept stopping because he was bleeding, wasn't that, it? That was, which in hindsight actually added loads to it. I, I think it added quite a lot to it. It was sort of like, you know, well, I just... a, lot, a lot of story to it.
0: Well, yeah, I, I enjoyed Joe's reaction to the trainer, like pushing him away. Yeah, because... yeah, that's what
1: I mean. Sort of building that character, not through any, you know.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's 100% right. He came across like, I don't care, you know, I'm a badass. And I thought, no, I, I, I was very lucky to actually be at that show. And it was, uh, it's yeah, when I look back, it's one of those things where the atmosphere was, you know, it's up there with, you know, one of those moments that is hard to compare, really. And I think, again, that ties into to a good event. What do you think of Nakamura on the main roster? I mean, he's been about three weeks now. A lot of people are reacting to him unfavorably, not in terms of him, but in the way he's being treated.
1: I think he's just a bit, I don't know. I think it's the same with Balor at the moment. They're just about a bit lost.
0: Yeah, Balor's but, weird, because, isn't he? Yeah.
1: It's just I love Bala, I really do. And just, I don't know, just just they're not being used, maybe, I
0: don't know. No, I agree. I totally, I think is a weird one. It's almost like they've got spooked by his injuries.
1: And what's Nakamura's name now? The Artist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not up to date. I I, I, I watched the first... First Raw and Smackdown after, after Mania, and yeah. then I think the second. I think I haven't, I haven't caught up this yeah. week, so you, I'm not you, sure. You've not missed anything. I love, no. <laughs> I, I, I love wrestling, but I'll be the
0: first person to tell you you've not missed anything. Uh, a bit of a... Uh, and we've got somebody on next week as well, who, uh, who I love so much. We'll talk to him next week, who said he didn't have an answer for number seven, which is your most hated wrestler, because he respects all wrestlers. Like, man, you're awesome, dude. <laughs> I, I, I love you straight away. However, is there a wrestler that you... You know, couldn't stand, absolutely hated, like ruined TV when they were on, anything like that.
1: I don't know, really. I mean, hated is a very strong word. Okay, strongly disliked.
0: Like, mine would always be, uh, like I say, I think he's a phenomenal pro wrestler. And I think he's got all the talent in the world. And I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame and all that jazz. But in terms of someone that I would watch from a, you know, a fan's angle that used to wind me up, be that the good wind-up or bad wind-up, was X-Pac. I just, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't when he's on my TV. I just get so mad. I never, I've,
1: I've no, like I was even there. So I don't remember. I don't. I see. I see a lot of people doing this, and I don't understand it. Perhaps, <laughs> maybe I'm just.
0: No, I think, but it always seems to be one guy. Like Buff Bagwell, you see the same thing for me going way back in WCW. Buff Bagwell used to wind me up something rotten. I don't necessarily think it was because he was a good heel. I think I just hated him. <laughs> but, you know, that's just your kind of, your your instinctive side coming out and resting. I just like to ask the question, because some people do have, like, Stephanie McMahon comes up a lot. Vicky Guerrero comes up a lot. I know they used to wind people up. I
1: know J- JBL does nothing but sort of just, oh, it's his voice. I hate his voice. <laughs> there
0: you go, you see? He's just got something that, uh, d- 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 I guess you would have. You would have seen him in his APA era, and not, yeah, his, not of, his JBL yeah. era. So, I mean, did you ever see him as JBL, sort of the?
1: I know? did. Like I sort of came back, and he was like, and I was like, "It's not the same guy." It took me a while to
0: realize. <laughs> I know, right? So bizarre. I mean, absolutely bizarre. But I mean, did you ever enjoy him in the APA when he was just sort of like a, a standard strip back ass kicking machine? I always found them a bit
1: forgettable. Really, a bit yeah. sort of a bit sort of dull. They were just sort of there. They were never like. They never come up, do they? When someone talks about you, talk about the great sort of like tag teams of the time, or like they're never in the conversation. They are never like. No, and nor should they be.
0: No offense. I like Farouk. I thought I think he's all right, but Bradshaw, I was never. I liked his clothesline from hell, but as I've learnt as I grow up, that's just because he used to smash people in the face. I mean, that <laughs> that wasn't worked, was it? That was just hitting somebody in the face. Oh dear. Okay, so we, are, we touched on this earlier by fluke, but now I'm even more intrigued. Cause you mentioned that you went back through hindsight. And I know it's a uh, a long in the tooth topic, but it is arguably one of the most important things that ever happened in pro wrestling. You know, what is your opinion on the Montreal Screwjob? Or how do you see it as a person that joined professional wrestling after that was even a thing?
1: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because, because I wasn't really there before the Attitude Era, I didn't really know... Um... Uh, brett much like i didn't have much experience or knowledge of 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 any of the hearts really and sort of like it's only going back and watching stuff now that i get an appreciation of how good he was yeah but you've also got i can only look at it from the fact of what came from that whole situation so it's like it's difficult to defend what was done but without it there wouldn't like would would the wwe be what it is today after you know it's a great point Absolutely great point. I mean,
0: look, not only did it shake up the top guys, which you could say kind of opened the door. I mean, Austin was already on the rise, but it really sort of opened the door for that position to be taken. Yeah, yeah. But it put Vince McMahon into the spotlight. And while Austin, I'm sure, would have been a success without him, would he have been as of successful without the without that was Vince McMahon? to go up again, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why I think it's such a fascinating topic. I mean, it is boring in terms of the amount it's been, it's been covered. But yeah, I mean, especially for you, like I say, coming in afterwards. And like you said, you went back and you saw Bret Hart and you understand... I
1: mean, to- I mean, like I didn't at the time, I didn't know that was even the cause of the attitude era. This just sort of happened. It sort of was there. But it's only going back in later years, knowing the sort of, you know, been a bit smarky now and knowing a bit more about what happened and what you know what the causes and the backstage things which are often more even more interesting than what goes on in the ring but absolutely, like
0: absolutely man that's the reason i keep watching to be honest is because you read all this <laughs> you read all this like playground stuff that's going on backstage you can't believe it's a you know, multi-million dollar company like this is <laughs> this is insane did you ever see uh, i mean did you ever during the attitude were you ever tempted by wcw or you wwe through and through
1: WWE theorem and 3 because mainly because it was difficult to get because I, I never had sort of like Satellite or Sky or anything yeah up, so it's difficult to get so it was like a lot of it was like VHS tapes <laughs> they're often like recorded from friends or sort of like watched out of out of order at all or do you know what I mean like it was difficult to like and again that probably goes on to you next know, what's the next question worst WWE moment like Segway like I'm,
0: a pro my friend Segway yeah, like I'm, a pro
1: like, it's got to be the invasion because I didn't have any knowledge of WCW at all. And suddenly I'm enjoying everything. And then, like, all these guys turn up. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? And I'm like, I don't give a toss.
0: You would have given more of a toss, though. So obviously, you, you wouldn't have been well versed in people like Goldberg or Ric Flair, but I no, imagine you... well,
1: well, Goldberg and sort of like the the big names, like you obviously knew, yeah, Hogan and, and Goldberg and stuff. But like when you got like Diamond Dallas Page and <laughs> turning up on, like, who's this guy? Like, I have no idea. But that's fantastic, though. I mean, that I think is a great. Sort
0: of way to look at it, because, like you said, if they actually had ponied up the cash and sorted out getting Goldberg and Flair and
1: Hogan in, I'd may have maybe been on side because I don't know who these guys <laughs> exactly. were. but as, as a kid only watching the WWF at the time, I had no idea who these guys were <laughs> or why I should take them, why I should be excited about this.
0: Yeah, instead you're getting Booker T and Diamond Dallas Page, and you're like, who? Who is these people? <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's a fascinating take, man. And I think from my
1: right. point of view, it was just suddenly the WWE just employed like thirty jobbers that I'd never heard of, and just like. <laughs> To Suddenly, there's an influx of talent, which I didn't care about,
0: that's fascinating. Did it put you up? Did you find the TV boring during that? Then, do you struggle to get through it? I or think that's
1: possibly what. What sort of like? I mean, I was. I, I it certainly like. I certainly didn't watch as much of the Invasion period, Put it that way. That's fascinating. See,
0: I think that's really good because to me, like I, I used to watch. I was mean, a WWE guy, but I used to watch WCW, so I knew who these people were. But I was also disappointed because they weren't the stars. But yeah, no. for someone like you, I guess they really didn't think about you at all there's was, was no real explanation to the person that yeah wasn't you know didn't have all this knowledge oh, there you go there you go and the final question number 10 is why did you start watching wrestling I always find this fast most people go I don't know
1: but I still like to ask <laughs> it all the same you've got the attitude and stuff but like and it was just cool at the time but really I'm thinking about it I, I, I picked up a, a Smackdown 1 for the Playstation 1 I think yeah and I put hundreds of hours into it as a kid I must have done and 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 i think that was it that was the sort of like that's what got me hooked that's amazing sort of it was sort of it's like that's pretty cool i should start i should just i just start watching this more 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 frequently i just so, start uh, so
0: what made you pick up the game if you weren't a wrestling fan or just because you knew of wrestling you thought oh, this would be fun i think it was cheap or, or oh, i think yeah. someone had I,
1: I don't even remember to be honest i don't remember
0: so how how was it kind of investing yourself in a game and they were good back then not saying they're not good now but i kind of am <laughs> um, and then sort of tuning in i mean what, how because that's a that's a big jump to sort of make to sort of fun fighting game to actually trying to get invested in stories and characters and all of that
1: back as a kid i didn't have that much that much time well you no, mean time was what i did have really money yeah. so say. like yeah. you know what it's like so as a kid you had you had a game or a couple of games and that was it there wasn't that much choice and so i think it was just sort of like i've got this I need to be excited and get into it because I don't have much else. So, like, let's go all in. Let's sort of, like, you know, let's let's, let's, let's t- you know talk to those cool kids about it and stuff.
0: <laughs> nah, t- t- that's the other thing you touched on, man. Like, cause I I saw that change in schools. Like, I went from never mentioning that I was a wrestling fan because I liked not having my face punched in, which is <laughs> such, a, such a bizarre thing when you well, it think. Came were- cool, didn't it? That's, that's the thing, it. About it. And then all of a sudden, like I became people want to talk to my oh, Miller knows about Miller. Who's this guy? Who's that guy? And I was just like, man, the world has changed. The world I had a has really, really changed.
1: bad, bad sort of uh, relationship with wrestling from primary school. As in our primary school, our, our afternoon sort of um, playtime was uh, was permanently ended because some kid almost broke his leg, <laughs> broke some of the kid's legs so by putting him in the walls of Jericho. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was like oh, I hate wrestling
0: <laughs> yeah he never liked it after that jeez don't try this at home kids big thanks to Drew he was an awesome I I genuinely enjoyed that chat I thought he had some great insight and it was it was awesome to you know get that kind of perspective from a guy that came at it during the Attitude Era you know I've been watching wrestling since like is it the late 80s early 90s so to, to, to hear that kind of perspective and how that affects stuff like the Montreal Screwjob I thought was great it was really, really interesting. So one last plug. Patreon.com forward slash Simon at 316. Love to have you on the show. Just drop me a line and we, and we can figure it all out. But for now, we will wrap up this week's episode. Hopefully next week I will have a guest for you. If not, it'll be the week after that. But it will be very, very soon once I've got all the information through. And we've got a couple of more guests lining up as well. One of which I'm very... Well, I'm excited about all of them. But one on which that I'm very excited about. Last time, patreon.com forward slash similar316, YouTube.com forward slash Lee forward slash the Miller report rules, Twitter at Simon316, join the Facebook group, search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Please do review and rate on iTunes. I cannot stress how much that helps the show. And the bigger we can get it, the more guests we can get, and we can just start kicking all the ass. You can catch the Friday wrestling news roundup on the YouTube channel every Friday. And yeah, I think I think that's everything. But as always. Thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for downloading me. Thank you for letting me into your life. I'll be back in a week's time.